You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. game of colorful communication introducing hues and cues a guessing game of colors and clues using only one and two word cues try to get your friends to guess a specific color from the 480 on the game board easy to learn quick to play and fun for the whole family welcome to tabletop arcanum we're your hosts justin and Ricky, and you heard right, today we are talking about Hues and Cues. This is put out by The Op. 3 to 10 players, plays in around 30 minutes, uh, according to the box. 8 plus, recommended age. MSRP of twenty four ninety five, and this was designed by Scott Brady. So, what were your first impressions of Hues and Cues, Ricky? Colorful. Very, very colorful. I mean, that's it. Colors colors my first impressions was this weird mix i saw this game it came out i went oh that's interesting i think my wife wanted to enjoy it and then my my second impression of the game came my hands on it and i went this is the game the pantone game should have been because i was horribly disappointed in learning of how the pantone game plays i'm like wait so you get these colors and you have to create objects or things for people to guess with just like color swatches it's like they had way too many color swatches and decided to make a game out of them at some point but this is a different type of game so i was kind of excited when i got my hands on this one for that purpose and then of course busted out with my wife and four other people to get a big game with it and then we've played it in a small game setting as well so we've kind of stress tested the upper limits and lower limits of this game core concept of the game it's a party game you're trying to get the other players to guess the color on your card by giving them a one word and then an up to two word cue and by doing that you can kind of direct them like fire truck and get them to guessing towards red but then you can get a little more precise whatever and then based on where those guesses are the more people who are closer to the real color you get more points as the cue giver but then the guessers get points based on how accurate they were so guessers, as long as they're in a 5x5 five five square, are getting some sort of points. The closer they are to the center, like a bullseye, the more points. So you can be kind of off and still rack up some points. So what does Q's and Q's do well for you? It's a pretty straightforward game that you can just jump straight into. For someone like me, I took a lot of art classes in school. So being able to see different varieties of the color, I personally, I really enjoy that. Being able to describe colors and have someone try to guess the color that I'm seeing. I definitely can see that. I think the other thing that it does well is it gives you a lot of flexibility with that easy to learn and scales with the group pretty well. That with a smaller count game, you essentially go around twice. The scores are less because there's less people, but it stays relatively balanced. Once you're past six players in your seven to ten range, everybody gets to go around once instead of twice. So it keeps the game still closer to 30 minutes. I want to say probably 30 minutes is a little conservative for the larger player games. But, you know, for our small player, like like three to five player count 30 minutes is pretty young mm-hmm. i'd like it for that one other thing like i was describing i'd like this as this is the pantone game i was hoping for because i'm trying to get people to guess the color mm-hmm. and try to describe a color by like you said different shades different hues different saturations and it's got 480 different spots you can guess so 
there's a little fine line between is that lime green or green lime. Mm. Rules are really light, which works in its favor to get on the table and get playing right away. I also feel like it works against it a little bit as if you play this game with like nitpicky rules people who are into more detailed and more heavier designer games they might find vague holes in the rules where like, wait are we allowed or not allowed to describe it that way take it or leave it at that it you know it's both a blessing and a curse in that sense they have a rule in there that says you can't say a generic color but we've discussed that with the rules you can kind of go around that where i can say cerulean or it's- Honestly, my favorite, chartreuse. Exactly. It's an off-common color, and you're right. They call it out that red, blue, green, purple, most common colors are not allowed. But if you want to throw those little bit weirder ones, lavender, chartreuse, lilac, you know, just go to a home improvement store and just pull some color swatches and read some of those off. Those sorts of names then, yeah, those are fair game, and I like that. I also like that you get to see what your lilac is versus what my lilac is. Your wife in one game said lavender, and me and you had two different... Interpretations of lavender. The other nice thing is while every square is only for a single guess, the way the scoring works, I do enjoy the fact that, like, if you guess the square I was really wanting, I can at least go next to it. Mm. And let's say if you were dead on right, I'm only getting one point less. It's mm. not like a, an all or nothing because of that bullseye sort of, like, as long as you're in the scatter plot near the color, you're getting points. Mm. So if you just, like, circle around it, even if you, like, get to left and right of it and you just miss the spot on spot, you're still getting a lot of points and that's okay. So I, I enjoy the fact that it doesn't really punish you for missing the exact spot you can literally be up to like three spaces away from where you're trying to guess and it's okay what's even funnier is if you're on the outer edge you're actually gaining a point and preventing the cue giver a point so it's almost better if everybody's like just enough off to screw up the point system this is also a game that you can throw in not necessarily inside jokes but something familiar between you and someone else you mentioned one of our old employers the employer that we met at yeah. You just said their name. Right. One and word, name, and both you and my wife were able to, like, oh, I know what color yeah. that is. It was the first one to place down a peg. I hit it spot, spot on. on the very first time. She hit right next to me, and then we both <laughs> just circled that space. Circled it, yeah. That was great. That was a lot of fun in that. So, like, you get fun moments like that. Let's hit up some of the things where it misses. So, my biggest thing, and it's going to be the obvious one, I'm going to call it out right now. This is not a colorblind friendly game. There's nothing you can do, I think, with this game to make that work because it is literally a game about colors and guessing colors. So, unfortunately, hard pass on if you have a colorblind group or anyone in your family is colorblind, this is not going to be a fun game for them. The other issue I had were the cones. There was orange, red, pink that looked very similar. Right, and like the pink and the red were far enough apart where like that could be forgiven, but then that orange that was like in between the two almost. Mm. You have ten colors to pick from. It could have been a secondary blue or a secondary green or a secondary right. purple. It could have been a bright orange. It could have been... Yeah, just one of those... like. If if you're playing with 10 players, be very cautious about a couple players' cones looking very similar. 
And that's another thing that I did notice is depending on your lighting, the cards and the board can shift. You know, anyone who studies color theory can understand that. It's like color is all about reflection of light, blah, 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 and like light matters. So if you're playing with warm lights or bright white lights, the game's going to change to you a little bit. The only negative I have about that is some of the card colors, if you actually, in the same light, if you put the card down next to the colors trying to show, some of them aren't quite right. I feel like like there was just a slight miss. I don't know exactly where that would have come from, but... And it's like, you know, this one looks more like the one to the right of it, not the one it's saying it mm-hmm. is. So Hughes and Coos does quite a bit of good stuff. It actually does a lot of good stuff to the party game genre. It kind of fits a niche that doesn't really exist in the party game genre, because normally it's trivia or it's things like that nature. This kind of gave me a Codenames-esque feel to it, which I love Codenames in, in party settings. So who would you recommend Hughes and Coos for? Definitely I would recommend it to families, especially ones with younger kids who are learning colors. It would be nice to sit down with your kid, look at something, just say, okay, bumblebee, and see where they think the yellow on a bumblebee would be, and then you can go through that. I think that would be a lot of fun, and definitely, like, partygoers. I would recommend this game for, honestly, your your friend who's going to art school, or mm-hmm. art theory, or any anything, like, art-related. So if you're a gamer trying to spread the love of games, and like I knew a friend who was an artist, I would definitely say, hey, either gift them a copy of Hughes and Cues or suggest this game to them. As they would have a lot more fun because they know all those different shades and different colors off of the common colors. So they can, like like you were saying, you were you know, did a lot of art classes. You got a lot more out of this game than someone who probably doesn't have all that color vocabulary. Mm. So that's another group I would definitely recommend the game for. I would then in turn would go back and say I would not recommend this game for anyone who's looking for like a deep gameplay experience. This is definitely on the lighter fare. If you're looking for something more strategic, you're going to find a little bit of it in here on basing on how to get people to guess and kind of a little bit more like social mechanic on that. But ultimately, you're not looking for anything crazy or deep. This is in the same vein as your code names and telestrations and those lighter party games. So, I would also say if you've ever been to a hardware store looking at paint and just wished it would end, you probably don't want to look at this. It's about as painful as staring at the paint swatch wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I came from a lighting design background, so I would love to get this in front of a bunch of theater nerds who know their gel color by codes and see what they did with it. Yeah. So, ultimately... It's a fun, light party game. If the box calls out to you, it's nice, fun, and colorful. So if it calls out to you and you like the idea of trying to get people to guess colors, opposed to other things, then I definitely suggest checking out Hughes and Cues. Mm-hmm. For the MSRP price of $24.99, worth it, not worth it? What do you think? So for that price at $24.95, I would say it's a little overcost, and that's mainly because you're only really dealing with a deck of cards, a board, and some wooden cones. Mm-hmm. So there's not much in the game itself component-wise to drive up the cost. And since it hits a niche market, I would say probably if it was closer to 20 I think you would get a lot more value out of it. I don't think it's completely out of its range, but then again... Most of the games are creeping up in price, so... Yeah, I would say for the replayability, it's in that 20 to $25 range. Mm-hmm. 
this is a game that you can keep on the shelf anytime you have several people over. Yes. When we can start doing that again. Excellent. Well, once again, this has been Tabletop Arcana. My name is Justin. And this is Ricky. And we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube for video content. And if you want live updates, make sure to paint your walls mauve. Thank you for listening, and happy game. You've been listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. Thank you.